Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill. Welcome back. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to uh, another week uh, here and now in 2023. Absolutely. And you've been traveling a lot. You just got back from the J.P. Morgan Conference, right? I did. The J.P. Morgan Biotech Conference that's held in San Francisco annually. Actually, ironically, I was there in 2020, just before oh. the pandemic really became the pandemic, right? So it was canceled in 2021 and also in 2022 because of the Omicron wave. And so this is the first time. I didn't know much about it before I got into my role as the department chair and Mayo Clinic Laboratories president. It's a major deal where investors from across the spectrum of investors really gather to hear from the biopharma industry and the biotech industry about what their plans are and they're making plans for what they should invest in. Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to start. You know, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about this conference, kind of its history, who attends, and what were the big themes for this particular meeting? I don't know the history fully. I think it's evolved really over the last 15 years. My understanding is it started pretty small, but it was there were investors that heard about things that were happening and were able to make investments that really paid off. And so that really grew. And so now it's one of the larger meetings of its type, actually, one of the more important ones and one of the, I think, probably one of the larger ones on the globe, if not the country. This year, their themes were kind of broadly speaking, there was a lot of talk around digital health, not surprisingly, where to invest there. There was a lot of discussion around drugs and most importantly, what is approval process? Because their investors are looking for which drugs are going to actually make it through clinical trials and into introduction into the clinical practice where they would be prescribed and people would pay for them. So there was a lot of interest in how is the FDA going to change post-pandemic? Mm -hmm. Is there an expedited review process? On the one hand, people look at what happened with the mRNA vaccines and how those were able to come through. On the other hand, there's drugs like Aduhelm and Biogen, which there's now been a lot of criticism about how FDA, that was the anti- Alzheimer's drug that has not really take, got FDA approval, but didn't take off. And there was a lot of criticism after the fact. So there was that piece of it. There was a lot of discussion around the diagnostic industry as well, in a long and different vein. And that is when the meeting was held virtually over 2021 and 2022, there was, of course, a lot of interest in investing in diagnostics because that's what we were talking about all the time. In fact, that's part of what led to this podcast. Now, a lot of those things have not really come to fruition. And there's actually a sense from the investment community that they're probably not as interested in investing in diagnostics, at least at single test companies and things than there were going into the pandemic. That's a big change for us because it'll really change kind of what we see and hear about happening in our profession with companies that are out there that are looking to raise capital from investors. Interesting, Bill. And do you think they're not interested as much in investing in diagnostics because of the questions around the FDA regulatory piece? I we think had valid that didn't go through. No, I well, that's one. That would have been one argument for valid is that there'd be more predictability. If you think about it, many of the companies that come out with like single tests actually go to market with laboratory developed tests. They don't have the backing to take a test all the way through FDA, which as you know, is very expensive, multiples of millions of dollars. That would have been a, really a tailwind. I think what we're seeing though, is that the way that the investment community looks at opportunities is 
they look at what a company's making, its revenue, and then they value the company typically at some multiple of that revenue, you know, two to three times. What happened during COVID, there's a speculative nature of it. Think of all the energy and all the companies that were popping up. They were raising money beyond what was normal, you know? So the investors are saying, boy, this is going to really take off. You know, this is worth more than we think it is to simplify it. And of course, a lot of those haven't paid off. You see a lot of these companies, example of Q is one that has been laying off workers because, you know, that market has somewhat evaporated. That's the in-home self-administered testing for respiratory pathogens. So now there's a level to use the street vernacular, people got feel like they got burned. So now it's becoming more and more difficult for these companies to get access to capital, which is why we're seeing things around layoffs in the diagnostic industry. I think Invitae is one, Semaphore is one. There's been quite a few of these stories, and it's really because the investment community is concerned that they've gotten burned by some of these these companies that they invested in. Yeah, I think things are going to have to just see how they play out because I still feel like there is a need and a a market for at-home testing, but maybe it's not the more expensive molecular test. Maybe it's the rapid immunochromatographic little, you know, uh, lateral flow assays, little card tests. Yep. For us, it's sort of the ebb and flow of the business community. The energy was around these tests, right? And, And I think really around... The view, again, this is a biotech industry, so the view about these technologies that were going to be so great and really transformative, right? And there were great ones, right? And there still are a lot of great ones that are out there. But the reality is that the ultimate value of a test is not so much in the technology, but it's really in how it's used Mm -hmm. to guide decision making, right? Which is really our profession. So it really shows the importance of laboratory medicine professionals to really stay engaged with thinking about how tests are used to guide care because we have technical expertise and scientific expertise, but we have more than that, right? And I think ultimately that's where the value, and that's what to me is gratifying. I have no formal business training as you know, but the value in thinking about that, it shows where the diagnostic industry really creates value for patients and for society. And it's really not as much in the technology as it is how that information is used to make decisions. So we really shouldn't see things as at-home testing or wearables, or all those things as threats. They're just different opportunities for us as a profession to think about how we interact with information that's generated to make diagnoses or manage patient care. Yeah, well, that's a great point. And that's one of the things we're very fortunate here at Mayo that our tests are integrated with our clinical practice. So yeah, I could develop the best test ever for something that has absolutely no clinical relevance and that's not gonna do anyone any good. But if I develop a test with industry or it's a lab developed test, and then I work with my colleagues who are patient facing and we develop a really good algorithm together for how to use that test, then, well, that's actually going to help a patient. Yep. And really, I think the most important thing, too, from my perspective is to really think about the why. Why does this test need to be developed? Mm -hmm. How is it going to impact someone's life? How is it going to help a provider or a physician that's sitting with a patient? If we think in that way, as opposed to, boy, here's a cool technology. How would you use it to make a test? It's really how we think about things and how we add value to patients. And I think to your point, that's the beauty of working at a place like Mayo. We're not the only one, but that whole concept of the needs of the patient come first. And if we keep that in mind, we'll always do the right things. Yeah, I agree. Now, Bill, you mentioned COVID, and I think that's a a good starting point for just a quick update on what's going on with COVID. So many people probably saw that HHS renewed the public health emergency. This is the 12th time that they've done it. There's some question of whether this will be the last or not. 
But we do know that HHS is going there. They say they're committed to giving that 60 day notice before any termination or expiration. So we should have adequate warning if the public health emergency is going to go away. Yes, the anticipation that this is more than likely going to be the last one, even from some of the, the signals coming out of the White House. Mm -hmm. Although now we have the latest variant, which is more transmissible, which is out there. So I think it's uh, one thing COVID has taught us is that we don't have a crystal ball to get, tell us about what the future is going to hold. But I do think that the public health emergency, we have to anticipate that it's going to end probably sometime in the first half of 2023 here. Yeah, this XBB.1.5, it's now, uh, it makes up over 70% of all the new COVID cases in the U.S., according to the CDC data as of the first week of January. And yeah, the Biden administration said that they could choose to issue short-term extensions if we need more time, if another variant emerges. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Yep, for sure. We'll keep an eye on that. And we'll also keep an eye on the other big thing, of course, is going back to PAMA. I mean, it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. when you see that, uh, again, that we got a one-year delay and the concern in terms of getting paid for what we do in, in a way that recognizes the value that we create. That's a one-year delay, and, and so we need a permanent fix from Congress, a Congress that struggled just to elect a Speaker of the House. So yeah. lots of stuff for us to keep an eye on here in the first half of 2023, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will keep an eye on that, and uh, until next time, Bill, have a great week. You too. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. <laughs>